0: different types of Christian organizations, Christian denominations that preach all sorts of different things. And there are generally certain things that are the same between all of the different organizations, all of the different uh, beliefs, but there are other things that people preach that are different to other churches. And it seems that wherever you go, wherever you look at, there are differences and and you can go to this place for, for this, and this this place has has this to offer, and this place has this belief, and it seems that there's this board of churches that you can go and find one that feels comfortable to you, finds one that fits in with what you like, with what you want to do, and has a similar sort of, of belief system to what you might already have. But... Just because you feel comfortable in a church doesn't mean that it's a church that has the power of God. It doesn't mean that it's a church that can change your life. And the whole idea of church is that you don't feel comfortable. The whole idea of church is that God is actually ministering to you. He's touching your heart. He's reaching out to you. He's reaching inside you and wanting to change you and make you more like Him. And we're not going to do that without the power of God. Because our own flesh, our own will, our own desire wants what we want. And God has his own ways and his own works which are higher than ours. And we can't ever, in our own natural way, in our own natural thinking, or in our own natural desires, or in what we try to do ourselves, we can't reach to what God wants us to do. And so we have many different churches, and they have different beliefs and We'll just have a look at some beliefs that major churches, major organizations, major denominations in the world today have that don't fit in with what the Bible says. Some major churches have a head person that has the ability to make doctrines that contradict the Bible and say that it is the will of God. That is not in the Bible. Some major churches lift up Mary, the mother of Jesus, as being more or less equal with God. And so they effectively worship her. That's not in my Bible. The Bible says that Mary needed to follow the same plan of salvation as we do. And that makes Mary equal to us, not God. Some major churches have sacred items that are worshipped like idols. I'm not talking about pagan religions. I'm talking about Christianity. That are worshipped like idols. That's directly against what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that we should not have idols And the Bible says that we should only worship the one true God. Some major churches believe in purgatory, a place where sinners can suffer after they die in preparation for going to heaven. I can't find that in the Bible either. Some major churches believe that once you are saved, you can never be lost. Or that there are people that are predestined to be saved outside of their own will or their own actions. This is directly contradicted by the Bible itself, which plainly states that saints can be lost if they sin. Yet, some major churches still believe this doctrine. Some major churches believe that baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. That basically, you're changed inside, you're saved inside, but if you get baptized, well, you know, it's just something that that says, hey, I'm I'm saved now. And uh, it's just a sign that you've changed inside, but... It's not actually necessary for salvation. But the Bible specifically states that baptism is essential for our salvation. Most major churches believe that being filled with the Holy Ghost is either automatic after repentance or that it is an extra added gift not necessary for salvation. The Bible clearly teaches that being filled with the Holy Ghost is necessary for salvation and that it is evidenced by speaking in a different language, in other tongues, in a language that you have never learned before. Some major churches don't even believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Have a think about that. The Bible itself makes it plain that it is the Word of God, through its own language, through its own statements, through the power that it has in in people's lives. And the effect that the Bible has had on people down through the ages and even in today's ultra-skeptical world is further proof that the Bible is the divinely inspired Word of God. You can't get anything that has had such an effect on people's hearts and lives as the Word of God, as the Bible, and as the power that comes through following God. And so it's a, a, a widely held opinion of people that... Well, surely it doesn't matter about these minor differences. God understands. God knows that I want to follow him. God knows that I'm going to church. God knows that I'm here to to do what is right before God. Well, what God understands is that he has set down the plan of salvation and the ways in which we should walk in a way that is simple enough for a child to understand. But different people through the ages have chosen to ignore the plain truth in front of their eyes, and raise up their own doctrines for their own agendas. And then down through the ages, what has been taught by these people then becomes a doctrine, then becomes something that people believe is a fact without going back to the Bible to check whether it's right or whether it's wrong. That's why we have so many different churches with so many different doctrines, because people have had their own ideas, because people have had their own ways of and their own desires of wanting to read the Word of God in a particular way, that they have made these different doctrines. But the Bible isn't so ambiguous or wishy-washy that it can be interpreted in as many ways as we have different churches. It's not possible to do that when you look at the Word of God. But people have found one or two verses in the Bible and read them completely out of context with the rest of the Word of God. That always leads to huge holes in their fundamental doctrines as the context of the rest of the Bible usually directly contradicts their beliefs, their teachings, what they have put down to follow. But they choose to ignore or try to explain away what the rest of the Bible says. The truth is that the entire Bible fits together like a glove. We don't have to ignore any part of Scripture to be following what God has truly set out for us to believe and to do. Yes, there are difficult pieces of section and sections of Scripture to understand, but all of Scripture is unified when we look at the meaning of the Scripture in the true and the original context, which may not be obvious when we read it at face value. There are some things that we're going to read in the Word of God that seems to say one thing, but when we look at it in the context, with the scriptures around it, with the rest of the Word of God, it has a meaning that is in line with the rest of the Word of God. But that's okay, because God always meant for there to be greater and hidden depths in the Bible for people to understand, so long as we realize that these hidden depths will never contradict the rest of the scriptures. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. We believe and know that there are no errors and there is nothing that is wrong in the Bible. There is nothing in the Bible that contradicts itself because it is the Word of God. We know that God has set out the plan of salvation very specifically and particularly in the book of Acts where He set out a way that we need to follow the way, a way that the apostles followed, a way that the early church followed, and we know that this way is the same way that we need to follow today. We know that we can follow God in the same uh, way and to the same standards that the apostles uh, set out and that God set out and was, uh, was in the early church because the Bible doesn't change. Our world has changed so much. Our world has changed so that what used to be considered sin is now acceptable. What used to be widely considered by people to be wrong is now acceptable. And that's by the world, but God doesn't change. God hasn't changed, and His Word hasn't changed. And when we follow the Word of God, as God has set it out, we don't have to worry about what the rest of the world says We can follow God in exactly the same way. See, none of the things that we believe contradict the flow or the context of the Scripture because we don't have to explain away anything in the Word of God. The Word of God is there. It is anointed of God. It has all the power of God behind it. And when we read the Word of God, we read what God wants for us to have and for us to do. And that brings me to a very widely held doctrine in many, many churches, many different denominations, and that is the teaching of the Trinity. Many churches hold that there are three gods, essentially, that there are three persons in one God, which doesn't make logical sense, and... It's uh, very difficult to explain and to understand. And when whenever you have three persons, you have three different entities. And so by saying that God is three, you're saying that there are three gods. I once had a mass teacher, a high school mass teacher, who after the class showed some of us a mass proof. And he proved beyond Well, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're using all mathematical formulas that one equals two. It's possible to do that. And uh, one of the the people that uh, were behind said, That's it, you've done it, you've proved it, you've proved that one equals two. And the rest of us were saying, Hang on, there's got to be something wrong with this somewhere. Because mass doesn't, uh, mass is very set down, it's very linear. And, um, And you can't ever get to something where 1 equals 2. And so when the teacher took us back and showed us the reasoning or showed us what had been actually happening in the background as we went through these formulas, basically there was a a division by by 0. And whenever you... Well, dividing by 0 is impossible. (laughs) You can't actually divide a number by the the number 0. And so when you do things like that, it's actually impossible, and you get all sorts of weird and wonderful results that are actually impossible to believe. And so what the Trinity is trying to do, it's the Trinity mathematical formula is that 1 equals 3. And once again, to get to that sort of reasoning, to get to that sort of understanding, you have to do something impossible in the meantime. You have to do something impossible behind the scenes Because you can't have three being one, in one form. See, God knows that he is one. God has has never been um, doubtful or, or misunderstanding about his own nature. God knows that he is one. And when we look at the Bible and when we look at the Old Testament, we see that God couldn't have used any stronger language to tell us that he is one. In Deuteronomy 6 and 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Isaiah 43, 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Isaiah 44, 8, Fear ye not, neither be ye afraid, have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Yea, even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Isaiah 44, 45, 5. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I go to thee, thou hast not known me. Isaiah, and then continue on to 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. None. There's, there's no one else beside the one God. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Isaiah 45 and 21, Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Isaiah 48:17. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. He said, I am one. He said, I'm not three. It, that was God's opportunity to say, if I'm a Trinity, I'm three. He would have said the Holy Three of Israel, but he said, I am the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee, the prophet, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Isaiah 44, 40, Sorry, fifty-five. Sorry, 54, 5. For thy maker is thine husband, and... A husband can only be one person. The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. Yet I am, and in Hosea 13.4, I, Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. You can't even find the concept of a trinity in the Old Testament. It's just not there. And many leading uh, Trinitarian theologians agree with that statement. They say, you just can't find the Trinity in the Old Testament. Do you think that God wanted to lie to His people back in the Old Testament and say, well, you know, I'm really three, but, you know, I'll tell you that I'm one um, because, you know, I've got my own agenda and and I'll reveal it to you later um, about my, my nature God's nature is one. It's 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 what makes him up. Don't you think that God wanted to reveal to his people his nature and how and how he was made up? God used the strongest language that he could have, saying that he is one. There's no one else beside him, to prove to his people that he is one. The only thing he could have said is that. Else, that he could have said is that I am not a Trinity. But the thing is. No one back then believed that there was a trinity. There was no need for God to actually say that because it wasn't even a teaching back then. Why did God need, feel the need to say that he was one in such a strong language back then? Well, he probably did it for our sakes now, but the other nations round about worship multiple gods. They, many nations worship the sun as a god. The moon is a separate God. The stars is a separate God. There were nations that worshipped um, gods of the harvest so that they would have good crops, gods of fertility so that they would be able to have children, and so on and so forth. For every single um, thing that you could think of or name, the nations around about them had a God for it. There's something that they worshipped to, to make that come to pass, to help them in that particular area. But God was saying, "Nah." I am one. The only person or the only um, God you need is me. I am sufficient for your every need. I will help your crops. I will help you with your child-rearing. I will help every part of your life. You don't need anyone else but me. I am the one that will will show you what you need to do. That he alone was sufficient for them in all areas of their lives. There is no other truth. There is no other way. There are funny ideas that can come even in our churches sometimes. But we need to go back to the Word of God. We always go back to the Word of God. And we say, that's not there. We say that is not what the context of the Word of God says. You see, it's easy for us to think that we have seen something in the Word of God and have our own agenda, have our own ideas, but it's whether it fits in with the rest of the Word of God. We can't afford to take anything out of context. The Bible even talks about these sort of things happening. In Acts 20 and 28 it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. This is Paul talking to the church when he was about to go to Jerusalem and and for all he knew, he was, he was, well, he knew he was going to be in bondage and he was going to uh, be bound and, and uh, be a prisoner at that time. And so he was giving them commands, he was giving them um, instructions for the time ahead. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen for him in the near and far future. So he said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy, God, Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. What we're saying this is going to happen in the church. There's going to be people that rise themselves up, that lift themselves up, and uh, trying to make themselves to be somebody, but our authority must be the Word of God, and not be what we can twist the Word of God to be. In Second Peter two and one, it says, "But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bore them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason." of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, in their damnation slumbereth not. God is saying that those who lift up their own ideas, their own beliefs, and they try to get as many people to follow what they're, they're doing, they're going to be judged. And their followers are going to be judged as well. We can't afford to follow man's ideas and traditions. We've already seen some examples of these when we looked at what the um, many uh, major churches do um, that's against the word of God when we first started this message. God doesn't honor man's traditions and man's ideas. God does not lift up man's traditions and ideas as being of the same authority as his word because this is his word, the only word that he has given to us. The Bible um, talks about and uh, Jesus um, talking against the Pharisees, because they had traditions that they had lifted up to be equal with the word of God and greater, even greater than the word of God, because some of their traditions that they had contradicted what the Old Testament had said. And so their tradition was, uh, was making of none effect what God um, had put down. In Mark 7 and 6, uh, he answered and said unto them, talking about Jesus, Well hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. What you've got is completely against what has been set out for you to do, but yet you still do it. Your church leaders, or the church of the time, the the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel, the Pharisees, they were doing what they wanted. They were having their own traditions, and they were actually teaching and preaching stuff that was against what the Word of God had said. And so they weren't following the Word of God when they followed these traditions. A little bit further down in Mark 7:13 it says, Making the Word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. We can't afford to follow men's traditions. We can't afford to have our own ideas and our own ways of preaching that are not aligned with the Word of God. It's just not on. We cannot do that and still expect to follow God. You see, having one traditional doctrine that contradicts God's Word leads to others. And it's a slippery slope that can only have one destination. You can't shop around churches. I'll say that again. You can't shop around churches. You have to find the truth and stick with it. And God wants to show you today the full truth of his word. God doesn't work on the principle that all roads lead to Rome. You know, Back in the old, old times, the builders of the first roads were the Romans. And the saying was that all roads lead to Rome. They started with Rome as a starting point and, and all of the roads eventually led to that one city of Rome. But some people seem to have a similar concept of church, saying that all churches lead to heaven just through different paths. That's what a lot of people think nowadays, but that's not what God thinks. God wants us and requires of us that we follow his word in the way that he has set down and set out for us to follow. See, the Bible even says that all churches don't lead to heaven and all paths don't lead to heaven. In Matthew 7 and 13, it says, Jesus is saying, Enter ye in at the straight gate, or the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat because straight or narrow is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. He continues on and says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. God doesn't honor people who don't walk in or follow the truth. If you're in a church that doesn't preach the full truth, you're in an incredibly dangerous place. The Bible says in Luke 6.39, Jesus was speaking a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. So he's saying that if you've got a blind leader, you're going to be blind as well. If you're following a blind leader, you're both going to fall into the same ditch. And the disciple isn't above his master, so the person you're following, you're not going to reach above what, where they lead you. You're not going to somehow be better than what they are. And you're not going to have a different destination than what they do. Galatians 1 Verses 6 to 12 says, if I could get you to turn there. Galatians chapter 1, starting from verse 6. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Galatia. He's talking to people that are saints, talking to people that are supposed to be following the Word of God. Galatians 1, verse 6. Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as we said before, Certainly, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than then that ye have received, let him be accursed. It was so important that Paul saw the need to say it again. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If we listen to man's ideas, if we listen to things that aren't aligned with the word of God, then we're not pleasing God. We're pleasing men. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, this is something that God made known to me. This is something that I know of a surety that is the truth, because God has revealed it unto me. And he wants them to follow the same way the way of truth and righteousness. We don't seek to please men or the decisions of men. That's not what God has asked us to do. That's not what God wants us to do. And God wants us to follow and serve him and his word, not men, not the decisions of men. There have been many church meetings down over the years where doctrines have been set out and uh, the Council of Nicaea and many other different councils, Council of Constantinople. And men have set down laws and traditions that are against the word of God. For men to follow and say that this is truth based on what people thought, based on the opinions of the ministers that were in those meetings, And so they have listened to the thoughts and the hearts of men and not gone back to the Word of God. I wonder if the Bible was even opened at those meetings. I wonder if it was even referenced back to at those meetings. But it has led to many churches, many, many churches, many churches, going into false doctrine and going into what they want to do and what they want to hear and what they want to believe. But God wants you to know that his word is true. God wants you to know that we don't have to have anything extra beyond the word of God. There are no traditions that can make the word of God of none effect. There are no traditions that God will ratify, that God will accept, that God will use to change what he has already put in the Word of God. Everything that we preach and we teach either comes directly from the Word of God or is directly aligned with the principles found in the Word of God. We can't afford to be among those that have traditions, that have teachings they take us away from God. As an international organization, the United Pentecostal Church, we've put an incredible amount of time and effort over many years into searching the Word of God, into making sure that we're rightly dividing the Word of God. And many of us in this local church have done the same thing. We have done the study, we have looked through the Word of God, we have looked at man's ideas, we have looked at the doctrines of other churches and we have found that we need to follow the Word of God. We can't afford to follow something that man has decided. So that we are sure that everything we believe and we teach is in line with the full context, and the truth of the Bible. This isn't something that we're here to boast about, as though we are more special or loved of God than anyone else. We're not saying that with arrogance this morning, but rather this is a proclamation that everyone can follow God according to the full truth found in His Word. There is a way that God has set out in His Word that man can't change. That man can't disallow, that man can't add to or take away from. We don't have to follow man's funny ideas, which you will find in almost all of the different denominations out there I'm SAD to say, But we can follow the Bible exactly as God originally designed it and planned for us to do. The church hasn't changed. The church, as God put it forward, so many, oh, it was about 2,000 years ago, has not changed. The teachings that we need to follow to be the church of God has not changed. God has not made any differences after setting out what he wanted us to do. We can follow the Bible exactly as God originally designed it and planned for us to do. You can know that you are saved. And that you follow the plan of salvation just as God originally intended it to be. How awesome is that? There is only one truth. Don't be fooled by the churches that don't preach the truth. Don't be fooled by men's ideas or thinking that these people are sincere and so they must have I must be following God, but follow the Word of God. Follow what's in the Word of God. Don't try to find it in other churches. Don't try to find it elsewhere because when you found the truth, you need to hold to it. You need to hold to it like nothing else because it's the truth that's going to get you to heaven. It's the truth that's going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. This is just an overview of what we believe as a church. If you have any questions or would like to know more about what we believe or why we don't believe the same as other churches, you're welcome to see me after the service and I'll be happy to show you more from the Bible. Because it's important. We need, we must, we have to. God requires us to follow the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we need to follow your word.